So this morning, I want us to continue in just uh, listening to the story that Mark has written for us concerning Jesus. And we're in the, we're in the Easter story. We've we've had the the triumphal entry, and this this uh, this paragraph is going to come out of the final week, the Passion. But it's it's still within us celebrating this Easter season, and uh, we're going to learn about the, the curse of fruitlessness. Uh, last night when I was checking the slides, or may have been this morning, I realized that I saved it as the fruit, uh, no, the curse of fruitlessness, but I, the title was the curse of fruitfulness. I thought, no, 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 that's not, no. I got something mixed up there. <laughs> so come with me on an adventure in Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 12 through 21. On the following day, the day after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they came from Bethany. And Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. But it was not the season for figs. It was between the seasons for figs. It was a little early for spring figs, and it was a little late for winter figs. But typically within the Middle East, you either had early buds that you could pick off or you had like leftover fruit that stayed on the tree. So that's just know that there could have been figs, on it, but there wasn't. It was just leaves. And so he said to this tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Don't you wonder what, oh, no, I didn't know. He's talking to trees now. What in the world? <laughs> Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching, he was saying, Is it not written, My house, God's house, this temple shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him. Not censor him. Not usher him out of the temple. Kill him. Because the whole crowd, but they're afraid to do that because the whole crowd was just spellbound in wonder by what he taught. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city back to Bethany. And in the morning, coming back to Jerusalem, they passed by and they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered the fruitless fig tree, the curse of fruitlessness. This miracle, which you have to, I mean, again, this, this is supernatural activity. This is God intervening in the natural course of things and doing something to interrupt that. This miracle stands alone as a miracle of judgment. There's no other there's no other miracle that deals with judgment. This is it. 
This is about a tree. The only miracle which does not extend aid to others, and which from the beginning was viewed as a symbolic cursing of unfruitful Israel. It's a miracle in the form of a dramatic incident. So again, in the theme of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, synoptic gospels, and then you could add in John, the story is not about cursing people. The story is about God intervening in human history to give aid to people that need his help. This is the only story about Jesus cursing anything. So we got to get that straight. <laughs> so our message is about a God who loves and a God who's come to give aid. And then he does something in a dramatic way, a symbolic way, as a prophet. You know, prophets in the Old Testament did some weird things. So this kind of fits in that. Jesus, like John the Baptist, took up the prophetic call for conversion. And again, that call for conversion, that's not a, they're not calling people to change religion. So they're not, they're not asking Jews to change from being Jews to being Christians. That's not what conversion in the New Testament is about. Conversion is about a change of thinking, which is really impacting the interior of the individual, the change of heart, and the, ch- and the change of practice. So it's a conversion, and also appealed to prophets like Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, Jonah. So they're, they're quoting from these Old Testament prophets uh, because there's this tension, this conflict against the Jewish externalization of worship. You remember there are those times, I don't want, don't, don't bring any more sacrifices. I don't, I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is your... I want your love. You, you're just going through the externals of religion without love for me and love for others. Right? That means nothing to me. So again, woo, baby... That, I mean, that's a, that's a universal truth. That's not just for the past. That's for the present. God is after our love. He wants us to love him. And it's out of love for him. Then, that, then we will do. We will obey. But it's not, it's not like, okay, I'm going to obey you. Then you love me. No, this is about loving him. And Israel, start, they started missing that. And externalizing their worship. And so Jesus just, he just joins. He's in step. With the message that Israel's been hearing all the way from Isaiah, God, hey, God's after your heart. Jesus did not expound scripture academically, like I'm doing. So don't confuse me with Jesus. So, yeah, I'm just doing what the rabbis did. You know, Jesus, however, spoke to people with God given directiveness and power as the old prophets, Old Testament prophets had done. Hence the people said that he taught them as one having authority and not as the rabbis. The distinction between Jesus and the rabbis was not one of degree as between different teachers. He's better than that teacher. No. It's one that's it's fundamental. He taught as one especially authorized by God so that his word was God's word which men could not evade. So what... The prophets, when, when God spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament, 
and they went to deliver that message, what would they introduce that message with? It's a phrase. Thus saith the Lord. Jesus exercising authority is exactly that. That's the New Testament way of that happening. So Jesus, we like to think of him as a teacher, which he was, was but he was prophetic. He was a prophet. And what he's doing with this fig tree is a a prophetic act. He's teaching through action. So it's the prophet and the fig tree. The cursing of the fig tree is a symbolic prophetic action on part of Jesus which expresses the figurative realism, the rejection of Israel. Wait a minute. Time out. This author that I'm writing down needed to back up the bus. Jesus, God, does not reject Israel. He rejects the externalization of Jewish worship. But he's not rejected Jews or Israel. Unfortunately, the source of this book is German. And there was kind of some tension there about that theology. So, no. Again, I can't say it. God doesn't. He's not. God is in the business of saving the nations, not rejecting the nations. The point of the story, which Mark perhaps indicates by interweaving it, with the account of the cleansing of the temple, can only be as follows. Jesus proclaims judgment on Israel, maybe even particular Jerusalem, worship at the temple, because it's like an unfruitful tree. And Jesus' hunger does not have to be the framework for the parabolic action, but it could. So if so... It shows that Jesus, like those whom he calls blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is hungry for the fruit of righteousness in Israel and proclaims a curse on those who allow him to hunger in vain for mercy. I'm coming to the temple for my soul to be fed and and, and I'm being denied that because worship is being externalized. So do we get that dynamic? That's what Jesus is doing. Well, let me turn a corner because I, understanding that, have seen something else. So I'm coming back to tell you, man, the Lavinia in Chile is a fruitful vine. So if Jesus illustrates that a tree without fruit is cursed, a tree with fruit is blessed. And I can tell you, woohoo, there's a blessing on the vineyard churches in Chile that was like incredible. And again, I, as, I, as I just kind of contrasted that with you know, what I know, what I experience, I, there's this hunger. Just like Jesus was hungry for fruit, there's a hunger among people following Jesus in Chile. One way, they're hungry for worship. Now, I know there's one of us. This is, some, this is one person in an auditorium of a thousand people. Now, I could pan out and I could show you. People are very engaged in worship. But this one soul, that to me, that is a hungry soul. I really want to respond to the God who loves me. Now, I know there's at least one of us sitting here. That this is you. 
There may be more than us. Uh, but again, these constra- we just have these constraints that keep us from doing this. Again, I, I didn't take this photo. I was on the front row kind of to his left. Uh, I didn't notice him. Why? I'm worshiping. <laughs> but, but are we hungry? See, being hungry to experience this God who loves us, to experience this God who wants to, to speak to us, that produces a fruit in our lives. And like the Chilean church, we want to be fruitful. There, there's hunger uh, to respond uh, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So every time someone taught, there was an invitation for ministry. And we're talking hundreds of people coming for a group of a thousand, hundreds of people coming. And so Susan and I were part of those that prayed for people. And I prayed for enough people to tell you, it's in, it's, it, people are just, there's so much want to, to be moved, to be heard, to, to receive. I mean, again, it's just hunger for what, what is the Holy Spirit up to? And what does the Holy Spirit want to give to me? What is the Holy, how, he, how does he want to transform me? And uh, I, don't, I, I don't wear a watch, so I don't keep track of time at home either. But I didn't wear a watch. I don't know how long we prayed for people. didn't matter. And, uh, but just this, this hunger for the Holy Spirit to act and transform, which again leads to fruitfulness. Then I saw it in relationship. Um, this would be kind of fun if y'all are willing to do this. So every time, Jeff, you're you, you're you're one of those guys, one of those hoe you guys. So if you'll come here for a second. So every time you meet man to man in Chile, it is a handshake, it is a hug, and it's another handshake. Glad I wouldn't kiss. <laughs> To take it a step further, if we had known each other for 15 years or so, there would be a kiss. I was, yeah, I do get kissed. (laughs) How about another hug? (laughs) I'll give you another hug. Okay, so that's that's what everybody, like when you walk into a room of a thousand people, guess what? It takes you a long time to get across the room. Okay, now with male to female, Kate. We can do this. Now, what, what, are all, what are our rules on hugging? Okay, yeah. We just passed a rule. No hugs, you know. A guy like me, no hugs. Those rules, they don't, they don't do that. But if we do, you know, it's just, just a little safe. Guess what? So you meet a woman, woman comes up. They, the women initiate, so you initiate a hug. It is, it is full on. Plus, there's usually, it can be a kiss. Or it can be a kiss kind of towards your cheek, but not quite. Again, the more you get to know each other, the more kisses are given. Thank you, daughter. (laughs) Now imagine. Imagine what that does in relationship if this is the way you live your life. We were, Sunday night, we are preaching... We preached in one church in the morning and went to another one in the evening. And then, then we went out for meat 
and wine at uh, 10.30 at night. My typical schedule. <laughs> and we're having a meeting with young, with young people who are starting to lead, and they just have a lot of questions for those of us that are older and have been leading. And one of the guys is from Chicago. And he's not that, he's, I mean, he endures the hugs and the kisses, but it's getting late. He is ready to go home. And he, and he finally just says, okay, we've gotten the hugs and the kisses out of the way. Let's go home. <laughs> he really does reflect. Our culture is like that. We have these limits. But when you're hungry for relationship, it's, it's incredible. And then what I think, you know, one of the fears we have, like if we get, you know, if we're too touchy, then it leads to, you know, sexual promiscuity. They have less problems with that than we do. And it's because the family is healthier and it's because relationship is healthier. And they've kind of taken a lot of the stigma out of hugs and kisses away. They've been doing that all their life. So it's really incredible. So, yeah, it's hard. Uh, you know, how do we live that out? We just, we're not going to, we're not going to change our culture. I mean, I know that. But how the fruitfulness of relationship is pretty incredible. Also, I would add to this, we saw a film and it reminded me that um, when a group of people decide to follow Jesus together, and they continue to follow Jesus together regardless of what they face. And they work through the relational problems they have. And they just keep going. They keep going. In 30 years, you start a movement. They've started a movement of planting churches in Chile. And it's now going to spill over into other places in the world. I saw the same thing in Houston. There are 11 vineyard churches in Houston. Largely because a group of people decided to live together, to walk together, to follow Jesus together through thick and thin, through beautiful and ugly, and they planted churches all over Houston. So these relationships that bring us together and then we begin to move forward and we begin to follow Jesus and we begin to, to mature the body. It's a, it's a maturation. The body of Christ matures. So what we saw in Chile, and we've, I've been going for 15 years, which I just, that doesn't seem possible. The first time I took my son, Adam, and Bernie. Uh, the second time uh, Chrissy went. And uh, Chrissy, Ron, and I, we, we flew all night and took a train all night to uh, Concepcion. And Chrissy had a, like a horrible week. <laughs> it was hard for Chrissy. It's so hard. But I'm so glad she was there. Bryant and Laura have gone. Uh, Abby's gone. Uh, Robert Eby's gone, Otto and Dorothy. I mean, several people from our community in these 15 years have gone. And what we've seen is we've seen this maturing of the body of Christ. Uh, so they've become now their own movement. So the, well, the way that the vineyard does missions is that 15 years ago we went, we encouraged, we only went at their invitation. We, we only, we asked, what do you want us to do? We only did what they asked us to do. And we just kept coming as they invited us. And so basically they have grown the movements to where they have their own indigenous leader. They have their own indigenous organization. So they are their own standalone association of vineyard churches. 
in a partnership with 15 other nations that have their own association of vineyard churches. And the United States, very wisely, the founder of the vineyard said, we will, the United States is not going to dominate this thing. We're not going to be the chairman of the board. Uh, and that was a really profound thing uh, for uh, someone from the United States to do in mission. That's, that's that Chuck could attest to that. So if you were wondering if we were there, Susan and I, we were there. We were in the vineyard in Chile. And uh, we, were, we were tasting some of the maturing fruit of the vine. And we really come back uh, with this. This is the invitation for us. Because I want us, like the, the church in Chile, to receive the blessing of fruitfulness. I don't want us just to be all leaves without fruit. Because I believe what Jesus teaches us is that that's... That's the cursed place to be. We want to be leaves and fruit. So this is what I would, this is the invitation. Let's let's really choose the blessing of fruitfulness. And let's let him define, you know, what is from God's, what is the fruit that we are to produce according to God? The fruit of the spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. See, all of that, that, that fruit should describe the body of Christ that exists in our city and in our nation and in the nations of the world. Are we people who love? Are we people that recognize the joy of the Lord as our strength? Are we people that are at peace? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we gentle? Are we faithful? Do we exercise self? I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's our fruitfulness. Let's choose the blessing of fruitless, fruitfulness. That's hard for me to not get twisted around. Let's hunger together. Let's hunger together for the fruit of righteousness. Let's do this together. Let's grow more in love with Jesus. Let's grow more in love with each other. Let's grow more in love with our city. Let's grow more in love with the people that don't know Jesus. Let's worship God together from hearts that are full of love, from this, this internal combustion that is, you know, just this explosion out of the heart for who God is and what God's done for us and how he keeps loving us, how he keeps encouraging us. Let's respond together to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I I just want any time any of us just feel the slightest bit of a nudge for ministry, do it. (laughs) Don't hold back. Do it. Respond quickly. Whenever there's an invitation, and that's me, do it. Because the Holy Spirit really wants us to learn how to respond quicker 
and for him to, to transform our lives and help us, which is really cool. Let's deepen our affection for one another. You know, maybe it's just a little bit longer handshake. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how we do it. But let's, let's really love each other. Let's really be affectionate with one another. We all need that. Let's grow to become a house of prayer for the nations. You know, the, the nationalism that is, that's been growing in the nations is, is contrary to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about nations. It's not about a nation. And so we, we want, again, just to be able to be able to discern the difference and to know that, that God is for all the nations. He's calling all the nations. We want to pray for our nation. We want to be good citizens in our nation. But we, but we don't want to just think that our nation is the best of every because we're not. We're just one. It's the kingdom that counts the most. Let's mature together as we grow up in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 passage. We're not meant to, to remain children. We're, we're meant to grow up. Let's agree together whenever we're invited to return to Chile. So I came home with five, end of, five, five invitations to return to Chile. <laughs> So all I need to know from you, and you can do it now, do you want to go with me to Chile? And one of those five times, just raise your hand. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, now all I need from you is when we're done, come up and let's write your name down because there's going to be times that we'll just kind of occasionally get together and we'll touch base, tell you what's happening, and then when an invitation comes, then we'll prepare for it together. How's that sound? Here we go. We'll, we'll hug each other when we get back, that's for sure. <laughs> and then last one, let's agree together to invite others to follow Jesus with us. And then whenever it's needed, to multiply churches. So the whole function of inviting others to follow Jesus is that we start following, disciples are made, and then sometimes that group has to, has to multiply. So that's, again... What the Bible teaches us about the church in Acts is what, the, is what the church should be like today. There's no other template for church other than what you read in Acts. And that's what they did. Come follow Jesus. Disciples are made. Churches are multiplied. We want to be fruitful in that because that's what God wants from us. Whew. Okay. Would you like to stand with me? Slowly, oh, so slowly, I'm learning Spanish. Mejor juntos. Mejor juntos. So, other than Claudia, who, who can translate that for us? Oh, I forgot, Chuck. You're a Spanish speaker, dadgummit. Better together. We are better together. We're better together as a community of people. We're better together when we have cooperation with other churches around our city. We're we're better together in this movement called the Vineyard. We're better together the U.S. with Chile. We're better together. 
Our work, our work is something we do together. And that, again, brings fruitfulness to our lives and to the body of Christ. So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that you gave to Susan and I to participate in this really celebratory time in, in Chile. We were so grateful uh, that uh, after so many years of going and seeing and experiencing, we, we witnessed something that was just incredible. And that's the launching of an indigenous movement, um, self-supporting, self-governing, self-propagating, to plant more and more churches around Chile and other parts in the world. So we're, we just come home really grateful. But we come home, Lord, remembering um, that we... Right here, we want to be fruitful. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to externalize our worship. We don't want to receive, receive a curse. We want to receive blessing. And so here we are, Lord, inviting you to bless us as we commit ourselves to moving forward together to do for you what you invite us to do in following you, inviting others to follow you, in making disciples and multiplying churches. As we stand together, Lord, we pray for Chuck. We send him and Marinelle out to Nepal with your blessing, Lord. Bless him. Their ministry there will be better if we are doing that together. So together we send Chuck and Marinelle. So we give you thanks, Lord, in your name. Amen. Now, the last thing you can do is you say goodbye. You can hug each other and say goodbye. It should be fun. <laughs>